Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. It's me, Jesse. Happy middle of October. Um, we are less than two weeks from Halloween, which means that it is officially right in smack dab in the middle of spooky season. Um, congratulations. Happy spooky season. Um, for me, this means that lately I have been in the mood to watch some spooky movies. Um, if you're anything like me, I, I'm not in the mood for, like, Halloween-themed or scary movies any time of the year, um, except for, like, the month of October, and there's a reason for that, and it's not because I'm a scaredy cat, it's not because I don't like scary movies because I can't handle it, um, it's because they're just generally bad movies, and I don't want to sit down and subject myself to two hours of a bad movie, like, it's... I'm not into the cheap thrill of a horror movie. It's just not my thing. But, through the month of October, for some reason, I feel this urge to to watch, you know, some scary type movies. And so I I take advantage of that feeling when I've got it. And so lately I've been watching some some spooky movies. And I thought I'd give you some recommendations. Or at least just tell you what I've been watching. And then we can kind of group those into three distinct categories. Um... The first of which, let's just start with uh, Poltergeist. The other night I watched Poltergeist. That is a 1982 release uh, written and produced by Steven Spielberg, but not directed. Um, this is a what you'd call like a classic scary movie. Um, it is rated PG, but that is like a 1982 PG, so maybe more like a PG-13 in today's world. Um it is, uh, it's, it's an interesting movie. Um, I would group this into a category of movies that I would call just like classic scary movies, things that like you probably just ought to see. Like it's, it's culturally relevant. It's something that, um, everyone has seen and something that, you know, you probably ought to see something similar to like Scream or The Shining, things that are kind of generally more pop pop culture, this is a movie that everyone ought to see. Um, I watched it the other night, and I didn't love it, honestly. Um, it had some of that charm that Steven Spielberg's movies have, but he didn't direct it, so it, it kind of wasn't there. So like, it, it was kind of like hinting at, like, hey, Steven Spielberg was in the room, but he wasn't actually doing anything. Which, of course, that's not true. Producers don't just do nothing, but uh, he was not as directly involved in the creative process. Um, That movie, if you've not seen it, spoiler alert, starting now. um, This movie is about a a suburban family. And their daughter hears voices in the TV static. And all of a sudden, there is this poltergeist situation in their home, which apparently the difference between a poltergeist and a haunting is that a poltergeist is revolving around people, and a haunting is revolved around a place. So, like, houses are haunted, poltergeists are, like, souls of individual people that that stick around to haunt people, not locations. Sure, whatever. Um, The child gets kidnapped by the, the poltergeists, and they have to kind of exorcist their way out of getting their daughter back. Um, 
I didn't love it. it. It was not paced very well. It was it was about an hour and fifty minutes, and I was I was bored less than halfway through, um, which you know isn't good. Um, visually, it was interesting. It was uh, I mean it, it held up pretty well given that the movie's almost forty years old, but I think it's one of those movies that you see that, that you take the time to watch because it's it's so culturally relevant I, I guess i've said it a couple times but it, it doesn't change the fact that it's true uh like i was a little underwhelmed by this one it wasn't really that scary uh i didn't even think it was really all that good but last year for example we watched scream which everyone recognizes the ghost face killer um that's the character's name in the movie but it's it's uh it looks like edward munch's the scream this big white face, a long, open mouth. You know, you can see it in your head, I'm sure. Uh, we watched that one, and we were actually pleasantly surprised uh, by the quality of that one. It was uh, it was suspenseful. The killer was interesting. There was drama. It was better than we thought, but it was still, you know, not the greatest movie you've ever seen. But it was enjoyable, and it, it you know, gets you in the mood for spooky season, so... Uh, that was Poltergeist. Um, I think as far as other movies along those lines, I might watch The Thing. Got that on a recommendation from a friend. Um, I don't know. There's that. I might watch some, like, Alfred Hitchcock movies, because those are suspenseful. Maybe not necessarily scary, but they they kind of have that good, you know, building tension thing to them. Um, so that's Poltergeist. Another spooky season movie that I watched lately was um, Train to Busan. Busan, I don't know how to say it exactly. Uh, it's Korean, the city is, but also the movie is. Um, this is a movie that's not for everybody, I'll just say it. Um, I personally love Korean movies. I think they're so good, they're fantastic, they're so entertaining and well-made. Um, I loved Train to Busan, it was... Honestly, for one, it just well exceeded my expectations, which makes me like it more if it exceeds your expectations. But it just, it was well made, it was well executed, it was touching. Uh, if you'd have told me when that movie had started that I was going to cry, I'd have said, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, if you'd have told me that I was going to cry twice, I wouldn't have believed you at all. Um, but I did. I, I cried twice in that movie, which... Is, is not what you expect out of a Korean zombie movie, right? Doesn't sound like it's for everyone. Um, brief synopsis of the story. Uh, Train to Busan follows uh, a father and his daughter who is going on the train to go visit her mother. Uh, he's, you know, just riding the train with her so that she's safe. She's pretty young. And as they get on the train, this, essentially this zombie outburst starts because of a biohazardous facility you know someone got infected and got out and now the world outside the train has gone completely insane but the zombies have found their way into the train and now the people have to get off the train safely and then you know find a, a city or a place outside the train that is also safe um and and that that sounds like a great start to a movie it sounds pretty 
pretty entertaining. A lot of good movies take place on trains. You know, you've got um, Murder on the Orient Express. That's a classic. You've got something like even Snowpiercer, which I find kind of funny because that was directed by Bong Joon-ho, Korean director, also wrote, directed, produced um, Parasite, the big Academy Award winning film from a couple years ago. Um, Funny enough, that one's actually in English, but um, funny contrast to those that I found kind of interesting. In the movie Snowpiercer, all the characters are trying to go from the back of the train to the front of the train. And in Train to Busan, all the players are, all the characters, not players, all the characters are going from the front of the train to the back of the train. So I just find it funny that they're kind of moving opposite directions. But, um, what a great movie. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. So I watched it with Sarah and she made a really great observation. Um, what makes Train to Busan a little different and a little unique as far as like scary movies go, especially as far as like zombie movies go, is that the the movie, the story, what's happening on screen is not about the zombies. It's about the people. Um, and that sounds like a, well, well, yeah, duh. But when you think about it, when you really think about it, most scary movies are about the killer, the monster, and, and everyone else around them, the, the, the normal people, as you will, they are like cannon fodder. They are there to satisfy the the interest of the monster or the killer. It's like a movie like Scream. You don't watch it for, you know, the 20-somethings that are getting killed. You watch it because of the killer. You watch, you know, the Halloween movies because of the figure in the Mike Myers mask. If you're watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's about to do with the chainsaw. It's... Even even with something like Godzilla, you don't care about the characters. You don't care about Brian Cranston and Millie Bobby Brown's characters. You care about Godzilla. That's what you're there to watch. But this movie, zombies are the background. They're not the main character. They're not the forefront. It's, it's about the people. And the story that they tell around the people is incredibly well told. You get kind of these, get these little like micro interactions between different characters. So you, you're following our main character and his daughter but on the train you also have a man and his pregnant wife you've got these two elderly sisters and and other characters that they interact with and these characters all interact with and and they become recognizable and real and you get conflict Um, something that korean movies very particular they do very particularly well is this um this kind of display of like the class, the disparity between classes. Uh, Parasite is a really excellent example of that. Um, cause it's, it's literally about a, a very rich family and a very poor family, but you, you can see it in train to Busan. You've got this, you've got a character that is like the CEO of this big company and he, he treats everyone very, very poorly. He, he only thinks about himself. And then you've got like a homeless guy who's out there trying to save the lives of everyone else. Um, and you see this difference. Uh, and that and that's one thing that's very interesting. But the thing that I really like about it, and, and I'm a big fan of any movies that are about something. Uh, and that sounds like a really funny way of saying it, so let me explain what I mean. Um, the story uh, of Train to Busan is about self-sacrifice. That's what the movie's about. It's not about people on a train 
running from zombies. Um, it's, it's about self-sacrifice. It's not about, um, when I say that, when I say what is a movie about, it's, I'm not asking what happens in the movie. I'm asking what is like the theme? What's the thing that we're supposed to pick up? What is, what is it about? Um, so to kind of jump into it, give you a little more context as to why I say that, uh, big spoiler alert here. Um, in, in the beginning of the movie, as the zombies begin to start showing up, the dad tells his daughter, in situations like this, don't worry about other people, you only worry about yourself. And the daughter is appalled at her father saying that she goes, why? Like those those people, that's an old lady, I gave her my seat because it's the right thing to do. And he's like, don't, don't worry about them, think about yourself. And as the movie progresses, we see that character go from a, a person that is totally acting in their own self-interest to someone that is giving and sacrificing himself and sacrificing himself and his own safety for the safety of others around him. And you see that and you see other characters, you know, put their lives on the line, stick their necks out for other people. And you have other characters that only think about themselves. And, and that is the theme. That's what the story is about is about self-sacrifice, not about zombies on a train. Um, any movies with like a big theme like that, I really love because I think that is like the best thing with storytelling. It's, it's like parables almost like, you know, we, and I think that's a good way of saying it almost is, um, not to try to compare Train to Busan to like the, the teachings of Jesus. Cause that is really not at all what I'm trying to say. That's really off base. But when you have a story that is about something more than what happens in it, then, then you're telling an important story. You're telling something that transcends the story itself. Um, so for that reason, Train to Busan is excellent. Um, like I said, it is a Korean movie. It is in every way Korean, so it's it's not in English. Um, I, I'm going to say, unfortunately, it is. you can find dubbed versions of it in English. Um, I think that's a crime. Uh, this is going on my own tangent. I think it is... Um, you ruin movies by dubbing in the lang a different language because that's not the way the movie was made. So someone made this movie, they wrote it, they they got the money to make it, they went out, they picked out actors, they picked out sets, they went through all this work to shoot the movie and edit the movie. And and part of shooting and editing is this recording of sound, recording what the actors are saying. And whenever you take a movie that's in Korean and you say, oh man, Americans, they don't want to read subtitles. We're going to put, we're going to dub in the English. You're going to take out something from that movie. You're going to take out all the sound that the people are saying. And then you're going to pay an actor, usually not a very good actor, but you know, a voice actor nonetheless. You're going to pay them to sit there and watch the movie and mimic the emotions of the people on screen and record it and then put that sound over the moving lips of the characters. And so you're, you're kind of one plane of reality, literally almost, removed from the original movie. It's You're, you're asking someone else to feel the emotion and to to put themselves in the shoes of someone that is already doing their job. Like, it, it's just, it's silly. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I'm disappointed that things like that happen. It's the same thing with uh, Squid Game on Netflix. It's, you can watch it in its original Korean with subtitles, or 
you can watch it dubbed in English, which is just distracting for me because you're seeing play people's mouths move and the sound does not line up and it drives me bonkers. Uh, so if, if that's what it takes to get you to watch Train to Busan is to have to watch it in English, fine. It's on Peacock. It's, it's on Peacock and it's in English and that's the only way to watch it. Um, if you'd like to watch it in Korean with subtitles, which I think you should, if you're going to watch it, watch it in Korean, uh, it is free on Vudu with ads. So unfortunately there are ads and they're a little annoying, but it's free and it's in Korean, which is the way to watch the movie. So I had, I had, had to say that, you know, if I'm going to recommend this movie, I recommend you watch it the way it was meant to be seen. Um, so that, that is like the second category of, of spooky of spooky movie that I've seen so far is you've got like the classic that's like, yeah, it's not, not that great, but it's culturally relevant. It's something I probably ought to see. And then you've got something like train to Busan, which is really, really excellent. It's just a very good movie that happens to have zombies in it. Um, there's not a lot of those, but it, they do exist. Uh, and finally there's a ghost story, which is a 2017 movie directed by, David Lowry. Um, this movie is, by all standards and definitions, it is an art film. It is it is an art film. Um, and it's great. I really loved it. I've seen it twice now. Um, the first time I saw it, I liked it, but I didn't really know what to think about it. I didn't know why I liked it. I couldn't really put my finger on anything. I just knew this is good and I like it, but I couldn't really point to why. Um, the second time I watched it, I'd had some time to think about it, and and it, it just kind of spoke to me more the second time, and I really, really liked it. So just as an example, I, the first time I watched it, I'd rate it like four stars. Second time I watched it, I'd rate it four and a half. Like, it got better for me the second time. Um, this movie, A Ghost Story, is about a man and his wife, and you get a little bit of time to see the man and the wife interact with each other, and then pretty early on in the movie, probably about 10 minutes in, uh, the husband dies in a car wreck. And you, you kind of move from there. And then there's the wife in like the morgue identifying the body saying, yes, this is actually my husband. And she leaves and they cover him back up with a sheet and everyone walks off and the camera just lingers. And then the man sits up and he's like a white sheet ghost, like, you know, what Charlie Brown dressed up as for Halloween. And, and so what the story is about is about the ghost of the man watching his wife. So um, going back to, to poltergeist, I explained that a poltergeist is around is centered around a person. And a haunting is centered around a place. So this, this follows that like haunting line of reason. Because something that the man figures out as he's a ghost is that time does not move linearly for the ghost. He sits there and he watches things that are happening in the future after he has died. He sees uh, himself and his wife walking around the house for the first time, you know, and, and through when they moved in to when he dies, he sees well into the future, that same location where what, what has been built up around where that house used to be. You see way back in the future when, when the land was first settled by like pioneers. Um, and it's about him watching. 
And, and through the watching, you get to see stories of other people, but more importantly, you get to see and better understand the relationship that you saw between the man and his wife at the beginning of the movie. Um, the way the story is resolved, the way, the way to kind of end the story, um, the wife at a certain point, while her husband and her are still alive, they have this conversation about when she was a little girl, she would write things on pieces of paper and then like hide them places around her house so that one day she'd be looking around, she'd find one and it'd be like a little piece of her was still there. And, and what she does after her husband dies, she's getting ready to sell the house. She writes something on a piece of paper and sticks it in like the crack between the wall and the door jam and paints over it. And so as, as he's sitting around in this place lonely, can't really go anywhere. He's picking at the paint on the wall, trying to get that piece of paper out and read it. And, and the movie ends with him pulling out the paper, finally getting it, opening it up and reading it. And then it looks like um, the, the visual effect they use is basically it's like they had the actor, Casey Affleck, standing under the sheet. And they drop him through a trap door and the, and the sheet just kind of collapses, which means that like he's not there. There's nothing under the sheet anymore. He, he, his, you know, his unfinished business is resolved and he can he can leave. Um it's a really beautiful film. It's really, it's really interesting. So for one thing, they made that movie on pretty much no budget at all. They made it on like a hundred thousand dollars, which sounds like a lot, which like to me is, is a lot, but when it comes to making a movie, it's, it's nothing. I mean, they shot it on nothing. Um, it's shot on film, like this really cool film stock with, which has like a one-to-one -one aspect ratio. So basically everything you're seeing is like a square. It's not a big widescreen movie. Um, and so it's, it's shot really beautifully and it's very simple. Um, I think because the story is about the ghost, they kind of shoot it like it's from his perspective. And so because he is a ghost stuck there throughout time, you know, can't really go anywhere. He's just there watching. Most of the shots in the movie are just really long single takes. You don't have a lot of back and forth. It's you're going to sit and watch one thing and the camera is not going to cut or move to something else for a couple minutes at a time. You're just going to sit there and stare and linger on it, um, which does a lot to the emotion of the movie, because when things change, your, your mind focuses on the next thing. But when you sit there and you're just stuck watching the same thing, you're just sitting there lingering on it. You, you get to really steep yourself in that emotion and you really get to like sit there and just feel it. Um, it's beautiful. The second time I watched it, I watched it with Sarah and, and she was just, you know, in tears, like what would happen if you died? And like, that's, that's kind of what it does. It sits there and it asks, it makes you ask questions and think about, you know, someday I'm going to die and what are going to happen to the people that I love after I die. And so it's, it's thought provoking and it's beautiful, and it is it is a fantastic movie. Um, there aren't a lot of like spooky art films, um, but this is one. Uh, it's on Netflix. You can watch it. I'd, I'd really recommend it. Uh, in fact, uh, some friends of mine have their own podcast called No Sevens. It's a film review podcast, and they're doing uh, a ghost story for their next episode. So, like. Watch it this week and then go listen to their episode, listen to them talk about it. Um, it's a really, really wonderful movie. Uh, funny enough, so out of these three movies that I strongly recommend, 
Um, you know, I've seen Poltergeist. I wasn't all that thrilled with it. Probably never going to see it again. Uh, Train to Busan was pretty good. It's something that I, I'd, I'd probably recommend to someone. Um, because it, it has a wide appeal. Even though it's in Korean, it's something that everyone could, could watch and enjoy. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to watch that one a ton. A Ghost Story is one that I love, but I don't expect anyone else to really like. Because it is really arty and kind of slow and maybe a little boring. But it is beautiful and in its own little kind of melancholy way. Uh, that's the movie that like I could see making a tradition out of for me. That every year on like October 1st, I sit down and I watch a ghost story. It, it is that kind of movie for me that it's great. It's something I could watch over and over and over again and love it every time. So those are my spooky movies that I've been watching so far. Um, there are more spooky movies that I'd like to watch. Um, there's a new Muppet movie, Muppet Haunted House, that looks kind of fun. So I might watch that here soon. I don't know, but I might. Um, what what spooky movies are you guys watching? Let me know. Uh, text me. Connect with me on Instagram. I don't know. It'd be fun. Uh, tell me what spooky movies you're watching. Uh, so that kind of kind of the end of the talking period of the podcast, and now to the stuff that I close the episodes with. Uh, the best movie I watched this past week. Let's see. Um, I've been watching less movies lately, partially because my wife is now no longer working nights, which means that, uh, you know, nights that I would have to myself and I'd watch movies, I, I no longer sit to myself and watch movies. I, I'm with her. And we, we, we've been doing things with our friends from church, and it's all wonderful and excellent. But I've been watching less movies. Uh, probably the best one I've watched since our last episode was probably Train to Busan, which you've heard me talk at length about. So I'm going to talk about No Time to Die instead. I, uh, Sarah and I went and saw that in IMAX because they were the same price as normal tickets. So like, why wouldn't we go see it in IMAX? Um, really good Bond movie. I really liked it. Um, it was a really satisfactory ending to James Bond. Well, not to James Bond, but to Daniel Craig's career as James Bond. Um, it was really interesting. Like they, with this series with Daniel Craig, they they kept like an emotional tie between the movies. They aren't just like individual stories. It's things and characters keep popping up, reminding us that this is one person's life. It's not just like here's a story about James Bond. Here's a story about James Bond, and like what happens in between? Who knows? Like this is a it is one big story, which is really great. Um, it's it, it was really it was really neat to see. Um, I really liked Leia Seydoux. I'm glad she was in this one a lot. Uh, she was Inspector. Um, I think she's a really neat character, and I like the way she interacts with James Bond. Um, Ana de Armas is supposed to be the Bond girl for this movie, and she's all over all of the like promotional material, and she's in it for like ten minutes, and that's fine. Like I don't I don't care. It doesn't bother me at all since I prefer. Madeline Swan as a character anyways, like fine with me, man. I don't care. Uh, but it was an enjoyable movie. It was really, really entertaining. Um, something that I really appreciate about it. It is like by far like the least sexy of all of the, the Bond movies. Like the, like the sexual material in it is, is practically nothing. Like it, it is nothing really. Um, which you can't say about the other movies. Like this one was really good about like, 
this isn't about your typical Bond movie stuff, and which which is which is really great. Um, so we saw that, enjoyed it. It was fun. We're gonna see Dune here next week with a friend of ours, which I'm I'm so excited about. I I've waited a year for this movie to come out. It was it was supposed to come out last October, and when when the trailer came out for the movie, I went out and I bought the book because. Uh, when I watched the trailer, the next movie that YouTube recommended was a Ted Ed video saying why you should read Dune. And I watched that movie. I was like, cool. Uh, I'll go to Barnes and Noble and I'll read it. I'll buy it and read it right now. Uh, it was a fantastic book. One of the, one of the best works of fiction I've ever read. And, and the movie kept getting put off due to COVID and, you know, distribution because of COVID. So finally coming out Friday, go see it. I am so excited for that movie. I, I, I could not be more excited for it. So that's exciting. Um, got a fun episode planned here for the future. Can't tell you what it is, but it'll be fun. That's all you need to know. Um, there's that. Uh, Watford. Oh boy. Things have changed since uh, the last time I recorded. Um, Watford, we're heading into the international break, which is great because we really need a break. And uh, we, we had fired. We, as if, as if I'm, I'm making the decisions around here. The owners had fired Shishko Munoz, the head coach. Um, probably the right decision, but it made me anxious because we have a really tough slate of games coming up. Uh, well, after the day after they had announced the firing of Shishko Munoz, they hired Claudio Ranieri, which, if you're vaguely a soccer fan, is a name you probably recognize. He used to coach at Chelsea and Leicester City and Fulham, and he, he coached some teams in Italy. Uh, he, t- he coached the Leicester City team that overcame 5,001 odds and won the Premier League. Um, a very exciting coach to have because he's he's very experienced versus Shisko's no experience at all. Um, it was exciting, but Saturday morning, um, the early game, 12.30 local time, 6 a- 6.30 a.m. here. I didn't get up and watch it live, thank goodness, cause That'd have been a horrible way to start my day. Uh, Watford played Liverpool at home at, at Vicarage Road. Um, and boy, it was a smackdown, um, which is to be expected. I mean, a team like Watford was not going to play with Liverpool. It just We weren't going to beat them. We weren't going to draw. But having a new coach right off the international break when he didn't have much time to, to really be with the players and to, to watch them and to, to kind of get a feel for it and to really impress what he wants the kind of the kind of football he wants to play, um, it was really ugly. It was hard for me to watch. It was it was it ended up being five nil, five nil. Um, really <laughs> horrible. Um, but it's okay. This weekend we have Everton, which are a, a middle of the pack team. It's a team that I think we can compete with. Having a week, having the team be able to train for a week with with Claudio, the new coach. I think we'll go a long way. That'll be great. I'd really, really love to get a point out of our next three games. We've got like Southampton and Everton and someone else. Teams that we can beat, um, or at least we can we can draw and compete with. Uh, so currently, six weeks into the season, Watford sit 16th in the league table, which is uh, two spots out of the relegation zone, which is great. That's what we need. We've got seven points, um, which puts us still four points clear of the relegation zone. So two spots, four whole points, which is at least two games, which is nice. 
truthfully, a win could put us all the way up to 13th. So, I mean, there's, there's, it's a, it's a tight race at the bottom and Watford aren't out of it yet. So we will, we'll keep seeing how it goes. Um, it's tough, but I, I did this to myself. I'll probably talk about that for an episode here later. If I get frustrated with another loss is that I could have chose to, to be a fan of a team like Liverpool that practically win all of their matches. Or I could choose to be a fan of a team like Watford and really love the hard times. So, hard to say. I don't know. But that's me. That's 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 what's going on. Um, enjoy spooky season. Watch some spooky movies. Uh, hit me up on Instagram and, and tell me what spooky movies you've been watching and what you think of them. So, thank you guys for listening. It means a lot to me. Um, if you love the podcast, share it with someone you love. If you hate it, share it with someone you hate. And until next week... Spooky season.